0: This is Understand South Carolina, a podcast from The Post and Courier. I'm Emily Williams. If you live in the Charleston area, you know that as this region has grown, so has its issues with traffic. If you listen to this podcast in your car, maybe you're experiencing that right now. One of the main solutions proposed to ease that strain on our roadways is a mass transit system. That system is in the works for our area, and it has been for years. It's called Lowcountry Rapid Transit, and this week we got the closest look yet at how it will actually work. It's a bus rapid transit system, we'll explain more later what that means, and it will stretch 21.5 miles, starting from the fairgrounds in Ladson, running through North Charleston on Rivers Avenue, extending downtown, and ending in the west edge area of the peninsula. The coalition of county governments behind the plans, that's the Berkeley-Charleston-Dorchester Chamber of Governments, or BCDCOG, just launched a virtual public meeting with new details and visuals about the program. Today, you'll hear directly from a couple people working with the Lowcountry Rapid Transit Project. But first, co-host Gavin McIntyre and I checked in with reporter Ricky Dennis, who covers North Charleston, to talk about why this matters for you.
1: At this point in time, we have kind of the closest look that we've had thus far at the project. My name is Ricky Ciaffa Dennis, and I am a reporter at the Post and Courier covering the city of North Charleston. For a while, we've seen kind of images from kind of other major cities where the project has been successful. um, And kind of the pictures there have been kind of used to kind of show people, hey, this is what you can expect for this massive project. But now we kind of have uh, more architectural drawings and and renderings what this bus line will look like throughout the uh, US 78 and US 52 corridor. So um, if you go on the website, you will see Kind of, you know, what the lanes will look like on Rivers Avenue. You'll see um, what the stations at the intersection of Remount and and Rivers will actually um, look like. What the buses look like. What the stops look like, and things like that. So, so it's a more kind of up to date images that give folks kind of a real feel of what this project looks like in Charleston. And going through the plan, was there anything noticeable that stood out to you? One of the things that was noticeable to me is just I guess how much kind of development uh, the, the planners are expecting. I mean, essentially, what what they're anticipating is that we will have kind of these small like town centers, you know, from Northwoods Mall all down our Rivers Avenue. So uh, the intersection of um, of Eagle uh, Landing Road in Rivers Avenue, which is where the mall is currently, they're really expecting that to see kind of the, the largest amount of transformation in terms of new kind of retail um, and resi- residential development. That same kind of development, they're also expecting to happen at the um, intersection of McMillan and Rivers Avenue, where that where the county is building this social services hub um, and the neighbor Hospital is, the plan is to turn that into some apartments. Um, and then the intersection of, of Remount and Rivers Avenue, they're expecting some some new uh, commercial development to happen as well, but yeah. So so you know, just the idea that these um, not just Northwoods, but these other areas on the south end where they've been very dilapidated and and suffered from a lack of investment for a long time. You know, just looking at kind of the the drawings and the renderings of these new you know businesses and and homes that are expected to kind of revitalize the area was kind of interesting to me. Again, I think it's one thing to to hear about these plans, but to actually see kind of how they'll They'll um, come about um, was, was pretty noteworthy.
0: Like I said earlier, this system has been in the works for years. And the first thing that had to be decided was what form this mass transit system would take. What they settled on was Bus Rapid
2: Transit. Bus Rapid Transit, or the Lowcountry Rapid Transit Project for our region, is, is world class, premium, high capacity transit service. And, and what we mean by that, it's transit that, that can be fast, reliable, operating in its own dedicated lane using a bus vehicle. that does a lot of the same things that light rail does.
0: That's Sharon Hollis, a principal planner at BCD COG and project manager for the Low Country Rapid Transit Project.
2: Uh, as we know, our population is continuing to grow and we can only widen our roads so much to to deal with congestion. So in 2016 the BCD COG wrapped up an alternatives analysis really to identify what is the best way to increase the capacity on our roadways to to have fast reliable transit. We looked at everything from commuter rail to bus rapid transit and Really, bus rapid transit made the most sense for our region because not only is it scalable, so depending on how how intense your corridor in terms of land use from the peninsula all the way up to uh, the Latson area, you can really uh, implement it at a much more reasonable rate than light rail. But it's also um, flexible, so it has the ability to operate in, in mixed traffic where we have really not a lot of room to add more rail capacity to our region, like in the peninsula. So it really has that ability to grow with our region and do a lot of the same things that light rail can do at a, at a much easier um, price point and at a much flexible way for us to, to really bring something to our region sooner than later.
0: There will be 20 stops along the route, which... Again, we'll start at the fairgrounds in Ladson and extend all the way to downtown Charleston.
2: Really what Bus Rapid Transit is intended to do is be a limited stop service to really hit those key activity centers where a lot of people are trying to get to. The Carter system will continue to operate and we'll make those, those connections in between stops. But places like Trident Health and Charleston Southern University are on the line. We have Northwoods Mall area. We have uh, Trident Technical College up near Maybelline Road. We have the Amtrak Station. Um, we have Mall Drive, which connects to um, North Charleston City Hall. We do have a, a transit center planned at Dorchester Road on Rivers, on Rivers Avenue, which is connected to a, a social services hub and, and library and, and, and a complex with the county is working on. And then as we go through the Neck area um, and into the peninsula, we'll have stops throughout the Upper Peninsula, as well as um, a stop at College of Charleston, two stops in the medical district. So really hitting those major um, activity centers along the line. Instead of having
0: a terminus in Ladson, the route was going to extend all the way through part of the rapidly growing area of Somerville. The small community of Lincolnville was also going to have a couple of stops. But the decision to change that plan came down to funding. This project, which has a total price tag of about $360 million, is aiming to be part of the federal capital investment grant program.
2: The I-26 halt study um, focused on Somerville to downtown Charleston. Um, what we've learned as we've been going through this process is that the transit demand to Somerville and to Lincolnville really isn't there for us to be competitive for this grant program. So um, if you think of high capacity transit, it needs mass. It needs a lot of people to board to justify the capital expense. And we just don't have the ridership today. Um, we do have existing transit services that connect Somerville and Lincolnville to our Carter services, um, and so what we'll be doing is providing that connection with those services, improving the connections from Somerville and Lincolnville with regular fixed route transit services. Get a little bit closer to where the people are um, that need to board, and that will provide a connection at the fairgrounds. And then, as that demand um, and as that ridership grows, we'll be able to look at a future extension into Somerville. But to be Competitive to the project, and we had to um, make that shift to the fairgrounds with that park and ride. On the peninsula, they were actually able to add to the low country rapid transit route. Uh, We did extend the route to the west edge. What we learned when we were doing some testing of our ridership is the Gadsden Green community there has a very strong transit ridership base, and and really benefited from having this project. So we were able to justify going from the medical district to the west edge. Uh, to be able to connect, um, really, that those two campuses with this kind of transit and provide them um, a significant benefit.
0: For much of the route, these buses are going to have their own dedicated lane. Again, a big part of this is to alleviate traffic issues and to get people from one place to another quickly.
2: From one end to the other end is 60 minutes. And that's 60 minutes, at a reliable 60 minutes. So, you know, when you get on the route at whatever station, you will hit your destination at the time on the schedule because of the dedicated transit lane and because of the technology we'll use called transit signal prioritization that will keep the buses on schedule. But the service will be every 10 minutes during the peak hour and most of the midday. So it's very frequent service, much more frequent than, than what you see out there. With a lot of the routes that are serving the area and it will also um, operate over um, 20 hours a day, so it's not just for that nine to five commuter.
0: While this is a bus system, the buses themselves will look different from the ones people are used to seeing on the roads in the Charleston area today.
2: So the buses are bigger; they are they're 60 foot buses, and they're what we're, we call articulated vehicles. So they have an accordion style. connection between the two vehicles. So they're a little bit more nimble than say a 40 foot bus when it comes to turns, but they're 60 foot vehicles so they can hold up to 90 people on the vehicle and also can accommodate some bicycles on the vehicle versus in the front of it. The other key thing that that we're doing for this route is we we're, we're providing battery electric zero emission buses. So at each terminus there'll be an overhead charger to charge the line, and then it will operate on battery um, all the way through. So it will it'll be a very quiet vehicle, and it won't release emissions. The stations also won't be your typical bus station. The BRT stations are much more substantial than what you'd see out there today for Carter. Uh, On Rivers Avenue, where we have the dedicated guideway, the the stations will be in the center median, and the buses will serve it on either side. When we get into the peninsula and we're in mixed traffic, they'll be on the sides, um, so the buses will operate in the sidelines side lanes serving the stations, much like a car to shelter, but the stations are much more significant. Uh, They are branded differently, and they have a different look and feel, but they all look the same along the line, so you know when you approach the station that you're at a BRT station. We have what's called level boarding, and what that is, it's the platform is level with the floor of the bus, so if you're in a wheelchair, if you have a cart or a bicycle, you can easily wheel onto the vehicle. You don't have to climb the stairs um, like you do on a traditional bus. You'll pay your fare before you get on the bus, which allows um, the, the buses to be boarded quickly and keep moving. So they won't dwell any more than 20 seconds at a station before everyone boards and, and gets moving. There will also um, be opportunity for, for weather protection. So they'll, they'll have wind and rain protection, they'll have security cameras and lighting. So they're really a significant part of the urban design and they have their own unique. Um, Brand, so it, it really starts to create a gateway for that corridor and just a, a statement. Um, so you know when you're on Rivers Avenue that you're driving or riding transit along that corridor. Rivers is actually considered to be one of the most dangerous corridors in the state. So there's hope that
0: the changes that will come with the Low Country Rapid Transit route could make things safer for pedestrians.
1: For example, look at the intersection of. Of uh, Cosgrove and Rivers Avenue, where the Carter Superstop is, people are walking across that intersection, you know, all day long. And you know, there and elsewhere in Rivers, you know, there there aren't uh, the crosswalks aren't always visible if they're even there at all. So 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 it is very dangerous. Um, in fact, one of the one of the most dangerous in this in the state in terms of vehicle and, and and pedestrian safety. But but there are plans to add. I mean, dozens of. Crosswalks and even to improve sidewalks along Rivers Avenue as part of this plan. So um, it, it looks like it'll be improved for people who want to not just use the bus rapid transit, but folks who want to walk and, and bike as well. Yeah, I saw that in the plan, which is nice because I've walked along Rivers and tried to cross. And <laughs> trying to find a crosswalk is pretty impossible, depending on where you are.
0: Do we know anything about what residents think about the plans, particularly residents? in North Charleston, maybe in that Rivers Avenue area?
1: The folks that I've talked to, folks are, you know, excited. And it, it seems that more people are starting to become aware of of the project. Part of that might be because of the fact that things are actually like breaking ground, like, you know, with, with the intersection of where the county is building their social service station. So I think the fact that people are seeing some things happening kind of makes a difference. But Folks are do seem to be a little more aware about it, and you know from from what I'm hearing, folks are excited about it um, as well. Just having a more efficient kind of uh, public transportation to take them, you know, downtown, take them to their jobs um, and things like that. So, folks, the folks are excited, but at the same time, a little you know wary and, and and cautious too. And I know we'll we'll probably talk more about the affordable housing aspect later, but that that is a is a key concern for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, let's get into that affordable housing question. So. As we've discussed before, affordable housing is a huge issue in the Charleston area. Is there concern that the prices of housing along this route will increase? Or you mentioned the new development that's expected to kind of spring up around it. Is there anything being done to make sure that if there's new residences built, that maybe some or all are going to be affordable.
1: The affordability, from from what I'm observing, seems to be the main concern for for folks um, when it comes to this bus rapid transit line. Planners have actually said that you know, what exactly what we do not want to happen is for us to invest in this line and for it to drive up you know rents and and, and the and the costs of of houses around the line. Where people who need it, you know, can't even afford to live there because then that defeats the whole purpose of what we're trying to accomplish. Um, a lot of the people who rely on public transportation, you know, are are, are folks who are not rich, or not wealthy, you know, or come from you know working class or low income uh, households. So they are the ones who are going to be able to need to afford to live um, near the line. So it's, I guess, it's, for for starters, it's good that planners recognize that you know that 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 is a it is a priority and it is something that's gonna have to be looked at and dealt with carefully in, in order to make sure that it doesn't drive up costs of, of rents and, and home prices around the line. What what planners are saying is that really those rules and, and policies to encourage and potentially require affordable housing is gonna fall on the look on the local governments um where this line is, is going through. And and right now. There are you know, conversations happening between the, the COG and the, the city of North Charleston and, and I'm sure potentially other uh, municipalities about some policies that can be put in place uh, that can require future development around this line to be um, affordable. The city of North Charleston is has, has, um, you know, in the process of, of, of passing an, an overlay district along a Rivers Avenue where the line is going to uh, run through Part of that overlay district is encouraging uh, developers to set aside a certain amount of their uh, residents for uh, for affordable housing. It doesn't require it, but it kind of gives them an incentive to where if they do it, they can make their properties, you know, more dense and, and add more housing. So, you know, I guess it's a step. Um, you know, some folks that I have talked to, you know, said that that in and of itself is a good thing, but isn't potentially aggressive enough. Um, and, and I guess it kind of r- remains to be seen whether or not you know the city can, and in fact, will will actually require developers who are building homes or around this line to set aside a portion of of those um, units or, or homes to to be affordable. So so there are some steps being made. The Cog is actually in in, in the process of I guess releasing an affordability report that will include specific policy recommendations for municipal governments to consider adopting to, to encourage um, affordability around, um, around the corridor.
0: If things stay on track, construction on low country rapid transit will probably start in a few years. But since the entire system needs to be in place before it can start running, we won't actually be riding on low country rapid transit until about 2026.
2: The grant program has three phases and we're wrapping up the first phase, which is called project development. And, and if all goes well with this phase, um, at the beginning of next year, we'll go into our engineering and design. That typically takes about two to three years. So we anticipate that late 2023 is when construction would begin. It is a 21.5 mile corridor, so it is a significant undertaking for construction. So we anticipate that to take two to three years as well. So we are right now on track for a late 2026 opening. So construction could be starting um, in, in early 2024.
3: I've been hearing a lot of excitement from community members. oftentimes they'll say things like, you know, we needed something like this yesterday.
0: That's communications and outreach specialist, Morgan Grimes who's been meeting with community members about the project.
3: There's so many ways to stay updated with the project. Um, Of course, we have our online meeting, which is currently running until the end of next month, and we really encourage people to go take a look at those visualizations and leave their questions. But we also have so many other ways that community members can stay engaged. Sharon and I will do neighborhood meeting presentations, community presentations as well. I also will be out in the community doing a lot of um, tabling, So I'll be at different events um, safely engaging with the public about the project where they can meet me in person. Um, I also have my community office hours, which are also a way that people can engage with the project in person. So we want to ensure that we're offering both virtual and in-person opportunities that community members can really just engage with us about um, about the project and we can answer any questions they have.
0: The official comment period for the virtual meeting ends May 26th. We'll include links to the virtual meeting and some basic instructions on how you can get feedback in today's show notes. And let us know what you think of the plans, too. Email us at understandsc at or tweet us at understandsc. If you're enjoying this show, as always, we encourage you to share it, send it to your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, or just leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps people find the show. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier. Our music is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music on Spotify at Billy Fountain. We'd love to know what you think of this show. You can reach us at understandsc at postandcourier.com or on Twitter at understandsc. If you're a fan of this show, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. Keep up with the latest headlines at postincourier.com. We'll see y'all next week.